0: Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com, or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.
1: All right, hey, welcome to Liquid, everybody. Uh, Happy, or should I say happy summer, right? I want to make an official declaration here at the start of summer. It is now officially flip-flop wearing season in church, all right? So you can wear your flip-flops from here on out. Glad that you're here. we got to give a special welcome to all our campuses across New Jersey. Would you welcome them? You're joining us or maybe around the world through church online or podcast. Welcome. We're thrilled you're here. I'm Pastor Tim. Glad you're joining us for this brand new series we're calling Soul Pathways, and I want to do this series right at the start of summer, uh, because I want to kind of help you kind of jumpstart or maybe reinvigorate your relationship with God, because a lot of times people, you know, the summer comes, they start thinking about vacation, they kind of like check out, like, oh yeah, I'll check back in in September, but a relationship with Christ is supposed to be a year-round thing that really is the umbrella over everything that we do, and for me, when summer comes, it's really all about recreation, Um, our family, and their two meanings of that word. Our family goes to the beach for a couple of weeks every summer. We kind of soak in the sun. We play in the sand. We actually, you know, surf in the waves. But recreation doesn't just mean vacation or playing games. That word recreation actually comes from the word recreate. In other words, to be recreated where God replenishes your soul in many ways. And for me, a lot of times that actually happens on the beach. For me personally, confession, some of my richest, Deepest times of prayer in my life have taken place while walking along the Jersey Shore. Uh, Watching the sunrise is talking with God. I want you to imagine that. Jesus at the Jersey Shore. Can you imagine (laughs) such a thing? I remember one morning in Ocean City, uh, the kids were, you know, still sleeping. I got up and the sun was kind of, you know, coming up over the horizon. And I had my Bible. I'm just kind of watching the waves and I'm worshiping and just kind of praying. And you could like smell the salt air. And I remember just feeling like this overwhelmed with this sense that like God's love and grace is as vast as the ocean. And I started praising God in this kind of unknown prayer language. I want you to catch this. The first time I ever spoke in tongues was on a beach, okay? It's a Place where my heart just kind of opens up to God. So, one of the things I often do is get a paddle board. I love to go out kind of past the waves, uh, away from the shore where everyone else is swimming. It's completely quiet and still. And I just kind of lay on that board. I talk to God with my eyes open. That's how I pray the best when I'm kind of soaking, watching the seagulls, you know, in, in, the, in the sky. I thank God for the ways that He's blessed my family. I say, God, can you just replenish my spirit? And it fills me in a fresh way and often gives me clarity for the months ahead. It's kind of how I charge up for the fall. And it's funny, because in a lot of ways, over the years, the beach has become a very spiritual place for me. (laughs) It's like the number one place where I go where I need to get together with God alone. Because something happens there that is substantively different than when I'm at home reading my Bible in the basement or praying with the kids before bed. Or even in the library, you know, studying for a sermon. Have you ever noticed that in your life? There are certain environments or certain places or things that you naturally do or gravitate towards that have great power connecting you to the heart of God. Uh, maybe for you it's playing music, you know, or, 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 or being in the presence of great art. Or it's when you're alone, the kids are finally down, the ankle biters are gone, you know? And it's quiet, and you have time just to kind of sit and think and journal your thoughts. Or maybe you feel most connected to God when you go serve the inner city poor or people in need. It makes you feel deeply connected to the heart of Jesus. What I'm describing to you is a soul pathway, the unique way God wired you to connect and draw close to Jesus. And it's different for everybody. I I understand this may be a new concept for some of you. Maybe you're a new Christian or you're just starting your journey with Christ or you're like, yours maybe has grown stale and you're hoping to build your relationship with God. Here's the big idea. God has uniquely wired you to worship him in a way that's different than the person next to you. It is unique to your personality, like as unique as your fingerprint. For instance, if I were to announce right now, hey guys, service is ending early today, all right? We're gonna keep your kids and you get two or three hours all to yourself uh, alone. What would you do? First of all, some of you are like, are you serious? <laughs> Hashtag best sermon ever, uh, right? Seriously, just you. I gave you two or three hours this afternoon, you said, hey, go connect with God, we'll watch your kids. Where would you go? What would you do? L- let's play a game called Would You Rather? Remember that game? It's a game like where you have choices. Would you rather, you know, live in the mountains or live by the lake? Here we go, okay? We're going to make it spiritual. If I give you two to three hours this afternoon, free to yourself, the simple goal, connect with God. Would you rather take a walk in the woods, you'd go outside, maybe put your earbuds in, listen to worship music, or would you rather, uh, you know, just lay on the couch and read a book? How many of you would like to go outside? You go for a walk in the woods, okay? How many of you would like to lay on the couch, read a book, maybe, yeah, you're like, and take a nap? Yes, please, right? I get it. Uh, okay, how about this? Would you rather this afternoon go to a Hillsong concert with friends or take a silent retreat by yourself? How many would go to the concert? You'd be like, I'd love to go to a concert with the friends. Okay, worship concert. How many would you take a silent retreat all by yourself? Yeah, you love that idea. You want to get away. Okay, great. Would you rather visit an art gallery or do something creative, maybe create your own art or, or painting or dance, music, whatever it is, so art, or would you take a tour of St. Patrick's Cathedral? How many of you say, I would, I would love to visit an art gallery? You're an artist, kind of sensibly. How many are like, I'd love to tour St. Patrick's Cathedral? It's gorgeous, by the way. They did a restoration of it. It's in- absolutely magnificent. All right, last one. Ready? Would you rather listen to a lecture on faith and politics or, you know, the transgender issue, something where you're engaging your faith with the current issues of our day, You listen to something fascinating, or would you rather go serve inner-city kids at a medical clinic, or feed the homeless. How many of you would like to listen to a podcast or a lecture? One, <laughs> two. Okay, all right. Uh, how many of you would like to go serve? Awesome. You should sign up for a summer outreach. Okay. See, I got you there. All right. Awesome. Fasc- this is kind of fascinating, right? Did you see how it's pretty diverse, right? With a group this size, what is which one is the right answer, right? What's the best way to connect with God? Answer: They're all legitimate. There are all sorts of different ways. For you to connect with the heart of God depending on your spiritual temperament, your personality style, your soul pathway that is the unique way that God wired you to connect with him. In Psalm 25, uh, King David wrote these words. This is kind of our anchor verse for the Soul Pathway series. Here's what David wrote. He said, show me your, what's the word? Ways, Lord, teach me your paths. Notice they're plural. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. In other words, as Christians, we believe there's one way to God, right? Through faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior and as our Lord. So don't mishear me. I'm not saying like, hey, there's multiple paths to God. You know, you'll hear some people say like, well, all paths lead to God. No, no, no. Jesus said, I am the way, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So faith in Jesus is actually a very exclusive way to eternal life with God. That's what we call salvation. But notice what David says here. He says, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. In other words, they're plural, pathways, meaning that once you've established a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, There are multiple pathways to connecting with him, of drawing close, of deepening your intimacy with your heavenly father and with his son, Jesus. That's the whole goal of the Christian life. So think of it this way. Once you put your faith in Jesus, there are many pathways for your soul to become like Jesus. And it's different for every one of us. Everyone in this room has a unique soul pathway that's as unique as your your fingerprint or personality. It's the way God wired you to draw close to Jesus. I mean, let me get, think of it this way. Have you ever taken a personality test? Who here has taken like a Myers-Briggs or a DISC uh, test or Finder? right? Personality tests, right? What do they do, right? A personality test kind of reveals your personality or lack thereof, okay? I heard Pastor Nithin failed his. Uh, a, a per, uh, don't tell him I said that. A personality test says, uh, hey, you know, are you an extrovert? You come alive in the, in the uh, presence of others. Or are you an introvert? You need time alone to recharge. Are you a thinking person? You kind of use logic and reason to make decisions. Or are you a feeling person? You, you value emotions and relationships to, to guide decisions. Well, just like there are all different personality types, there are six different soul pathways that describe the way we best relate to God and draw close to Jesus. For instance, if I said, uh, you know, hey, if you had three hours free this afternoon and you said, well, I was the one who said, I want to volunteer with inner city kids. You're like, that's me. I'd love to serve at a soup kitchen. You are likely an activist, an activist who loves God by serving the poor and the powerless. If you have an activistic temperament, it means you never fear closer to God than when you're putting your faith in action by caring for the down and out. So you see the the homeless around Penn Station, you don't step over them, you say, Jesus is here among them, i got to serve, i got to help these people. Because your favorite verse, the way that you think of God, is Psalm 68. This is how it describes God, a father to the fatherless. God's a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families, he leads prisoners out with singing. So you see, man, what's God's heart? It's about compassion and justice righting wrongs, caring for the poor. That's why uh, activists are most at home kind of leading outreaches, championing social causes. You're, you heard about our summer outreach, you're like, I'm already signed up, I can't wait, it's around the corner, I wanna put my faith in action. But this is how activists think. They're like, faith is worthless unless we are loving on the down and out, caring for the poor, getting justice for the oppressed. Okay. Now if you said, if you're like, well that's fine for you, but I was the one who preferred to go on a silent retreat. I raised my hand when he said, just read a book. You are probably a contemplative who loves God in silence and solitude. In other words, your prime pathway to God is cultivating your inner world of reflection and thought. So instead of like being drawn to crowds and like a flurry of activity and social causes, you're like, just leave me alone uh, in prayer or reading a book. I want to shut out the outside world because it's full of noise and distraction. And when I want to connect my soul to God, I just follow the devotional example of Jesus. What did Jesus do? He had a contemplative streak. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house and went off where to? What's it say there? A solitary place, all alone, where he prayed. Silence, solitude. If your pathway is contemplative, you may be more introspective. Instead of focusing on the outer world, you enjoy life. I'm going to reflect quietly on the state of your own heart. And connect with God through prayer, through meditation, on scripture, through fasting. But then again, you may be here and you're like, "Uh, not so much. In fact, I was the one who wanted to go outside. I saw a lot of hands for that. You're like, let's go for a hike, a swim, enjoy creation. You are likely a naturalist, okay, who connects deeply with God outdoors. Notice it says naturalist, not nudist. There is a distinction here. (laughs) Loving God without clothes. I think that's, no. No naturalist-focused people. In other words, you're like, I actually, you're today being in a church or a school or a hotel, wherever your campus is or in the house, you're like, I just can't wait to get out of here and go outside into the true cathedral of nature. That's where my soul comes alive. That's where I awaken to God's presence. This honestly is what I identify with. When I want to get alone with God, I go to the woods behind my house. I took a photograph on my iPhone uh, you know, on Tuesday. That's, uh, this is where I take my Bible. I take my journal. I put on my hiking boots. There's a small bench in the woods behind my house. There's like a little pond there. And you just give me like blue sky, green trees, man, I sense a great God. The Bible says all creation cries out, proclaiming the glory of God. In other words, King David, if you read the Psalms, he was probably the biggest naturalist in the Bible. If you read the creation Psalms, in Psalm 19, David wrote this. He said, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth what? Speech. In other words, God speaks through nature. You just look at the stars in the sky. There are stars in the sky, New Jersey, okay? I'm just telling you, all right? The intricacy of creation, you sense God's power in his love. Any other naturalists here, you're like, oh yeah, when when I'm outdoors, that's when I sense God's God's presence in the mountains, at the beach, next to a lake or river. Uh, Instead of listening to a sermon inside, I'd rather be outside enjoying nature. For me, sometimes in the outdoors, God does special things for you. Last week, uh, when I was kind of taking a little prayer walk behind my house, I had my earbuds in playing worship music, praying. This giant butterfly came and actually sat on my shoulder. Is that crazy? Look at that thing. Someone said to me, dude, that's a moth. Well, it it was giant either way. And it's that kind where if you turn upside down, it looks like an owl, right? It looks like an owl's eyes. But I just like marveled at this thing for like 15 minutes. I'm like, Jesus gets a dove, I get a moth. But it's just what it is, you know? The, just like the creativity, the beauty, and design of a God who creates something like that. All right? All right. Now let's move on because I see some of you are rolling your eyes like, okay, butterfly boy. Uh, that's good for you. Uh, But I need something to engage my mind, all right? If you were the the one person who said, I want to listen to a lecture (laughs) on faith and politics, a transgender issue, you may be an intellectual that is loving God with your what? Your mind, right? What did Jesus say? He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Intellectuals need their minds to be stirred before their heart comes truly alive. They live in the world of ideas and concepts. In other words, I need to learn something new about God, new thoughts about the way his truth intersects with our world. So if you find yourself like you love uh, reading books about Christian theology or listening to lectures about apologetics, your sole pathway may actually be intellectual here. Um, and that's, that's awesome. The, the Apostle Paul, he was an intellectual. Read Romans. It's actually a legal treatise, a document about why the Christian faith makes rational sense. C.S. Lewis he was an intellectual, right? The, the Christian author and apologist, the Oxford Don, he wrote Mere Christianity. So these are just four soul pathways I'm introducing to you two. Activist, contemplative naturalist, intellect. Can you see yourself in any one of those? If you're here and you're like, know oh, I'm still not sure. Uh, any artists in the house, artists, you're a musician, you're a singer, you like to you know make music or dance, You know, create pottery, paint, whatever. You're what Gary Thomas would call a sensate that is loving God through music the art in the five senses that's what we see sensate senses and you're probably used to people getting like oh she's all artsy fartsy or whatever or you're right brained but you're most drawn into God's presence through sights through sounds even smells that stimulate the soul so experiencing music or a concert or a beautiful art or elegant design just kind of set your heart soaring it's one of the reasons you love coming to liquid right because you're, you're like, I am all about multimedia. <laughs> you're highly visual. You love the, the bass and all that. Sensory Christians want to experience God through what they, they see, smell, taste, even, even touch. Look what David wrote in Psalm 34. He said this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Any foodies here? Okay, foodie Christians. Sensates don't just want to think about God. They want to feel his presence. Um, for instance, you, in other words, you got have to have to feel a little bit of emotion. Have you ever gone to a Hillsong concert, and uh, it's this fu- this funny phenomenon. There's this lights, and there's smoke, and there's this concussive bass, <laughs> and no one's even sung a word, and you're like, why am I crying? <laughs> why am I crying? It's a highly sensationalist kind of worship. It stirs the emotions, right? And again, if you're like, oh, I hate that stuff. I want to tour the cathedral, Okay. Because I love history and tradition. Why don't we just sing some quiet hymns? Could we light a candle? Maybe even have communion. Imagine that. You are probably a traditionalist. And that's loving God through ritual, sacraments, and symbols. You love that we sang the doxology in the opening worship set, right? You're like, don't give me that new fangled hill songs. I want worship rooted in history and tradition. Our faith is 2,000 years old. Show me some stained glass, the soaring architecture. Again, broad brushstrokes, guys. But these are the one, two, three, four, five, six soul pathways in all. And my guess is right now, some of you even have a pretty good idea what's your primary pathway. Like, what's your default? But here's the secret. The most mature Christians have a blend of two or more. And they're open to trying the others. They don't just stick with one way to feed their soul, they try new things because they want a balanced spiritual diet and a well-rounded faith. So this series, guys, is designed to encourage and also stretch you spiritually. So we have something for you. I'm going to invite our ushers to come forward at all of our campuses, and they're going to give you something to take home today. It is your very own Soul Pathways bookmark, because some of you are like trying to take notes, I can't remember all these. And if you look on the back, it gives a little bit more of a description. So just take one, pass it down your row. It's a little bit bigger than a bookmark. It's actually pretty cool. We custom designed these for you to take home for this series. And on the back, you're going to see all six pathways listed. Everyone can just take one. If you want to take more than one, that's fine. Along with some creative ideas for trying out these different channels through the summer. And as you kind of look at that, I want to give credit to uh, Gary Thomas. He's an amazing Christian author. He wrote a best-selling book called Sacred Pathways, Discover Your Soul's Path to God, which I can recommend to you if you want to go into like a lot of, you know, more detail. But Thomas basically describes nine different spiritual temperaments. He gives you nine. I condense that to focus on these core six because my hope is that this is going to be liberating to some of you especially if your devotional life is stuck in a rut, which happens to every Christian at some point, by the way. A lot of people feel guilty about that. Like, I really haven't engaged the Bible. I don't really do anything. Over the next three weeks, we're going to introduce you to multiple creative ways for you to connect more deeply with God over the summer. Some of them, as you can see, will come more naturally. Some of them may be a stretch. Some of you are already freaking out. You're like, take a silent retreat? No way. Pray on the beach? I've never, can you even do that? You know? Listen to a lecture on Apollo. Apollo what? <laughs> Again, some of these are going to stretch you, but here's the deal. If you don't stretch your soul's muscles, it will not grow. You cannot expand your heart if you stay stuck in your comfort zone. I also, my honestly, my secret hope is that this is going to help you appreciate the way other Christians are wired because you're going to visit other churches or you're going to find other believers who go to different denominations. And if you grow in your appreciation for for their traditions, man, it opens up your faith. You you may be, for instance, maybe you're like, I'm a naturalist, but here's the problem, Tim. I'm married to an intellectual. So every time I want to go take a walk, he wants to read a book, you know? Or you're a sensei, and you love our worship style at Liquid. It's like lights, screen, loud music. But you want to invite your relative who's kind of like a buttoned-up traditionalist. And you're worried that when they come, like, we're going to blow them out of the water, so during this series, we're going to actually sing some hymns. We're going to recite some ancient creeds, thousands of years old. It's a perfect time to invite somebody uh, who's maybe different to our church. So invite a friend next Sunday. But what we're going to do is share some stories with you through this series of some super cool ways that we see God moving in the lives of people at Liquid Church. Like my friend Margaret. Um, Margaret is the mother of two girls, and like most parents, she has a very busy life. She's balancing her you know, busy life at home and at work, and, and I'm gonna, not going to tell you what spiritual temperament Margaret's primary pathway is, but I'm going gi- to give you a hint. She is a musician. She has a musical gift. She teaches piano, but she doesn't just teach piano. She actually composes classical music and has even performed at Carnegie Hall. This is a story we shot last week about how one artist at Liquid Church connects deeply to the heart of her God.
0: I started playing piano when I was seven. At first, I really wasn't very interested in it until one day my piano teacher made me listen to some music of Chopin on a recording. And I took that recording home and I just would listen to it over and over again. And every time I would listen, it would sound like some beautiful heavenly world would open up through these sounds. In
1: 2006,
0: I had a revelation of Jesus in my life. I realized that this music really had a higher purpose and the composers that wrote it wrote so much of the music for God's glory. So why am I not playing it for God's glory? Why am I playing it for my own uh, glory? So that's where it really transitioned for me and I made the switch from thinking how the world perceives classical music to just for the purity of it and the message of Christ in the music think the best example of connection to God through music comes from the father of classical music himself, J.S. Bach. He was a composer that lived in the 1700s, and he would write the most glorious, most complex music. Everything that he wrote, he would start it first. Before he wrote one note, he would write, J.J., Jesus, help. Or he would write, jnj in the name of jesus so he already set this up as a prayer it wasn't just music for entertainment it was a prayer when he would finish writing he would then sign sdg to god alone the glory not to take any credit on himself and then he would go on to write music that baffles even modern day scholars i think every creative gift that we have comes from god and I really think that God loves it when we worship Him through those gifts. God wired us with different creative gifts. And when we step into those gifts, unapologetically, it doesn't matter if you can't paint, but if you want to paint, paint. do it for the glory of God. Can't play the violin, try anyway, do it for the glory of God. I can't sing for beans, but if I belt it out for God, I'm hopeful that he's not shutting his ears. I hope he'll like it. And creatively, if we're using our gifts, it is the greatest release for ourselves as well.
1: Isn't that beautiful? Can we, can we hear from Margaret? Thank you for sharing your story with us, Margaret. We're grateful for you. I think that's just the coolest thing. I mean, Margaret is a classical concert pianist and also a a sensate, if you might have guessed, loving God through music, the arts, and the five senses. And she uses her musical pathway to worship God in song, even when there's no words, because music is a universal language of the soul. She actually was teaching me how some of the giants of classical music dedicated their daily work of composing um, music to God. Did Did you hear what she said about Bach? Johann Sebastian Bach, actually, before he composed any piece of music, he'd take out a blank sheet of paper and write JJ at the top. JJ is short for Jesu Juva. That's Latin for Jesus' help. So, so he'd say, before I can do any composition or creative work, Jesus, you have to help me do this. And then when he was finally satisfied with the composition, he'd write SDG at the bottom of the page. That stood for "Soladea gloria, to God alone the glory. I, I think that's just such a beautiful example of like how our daily work can unexpectedly be a pathway by which we you know, um, worship God and, and give glory to Christ. I mean, you don't have to be a musician, Okay. Maybe you work in construction, maybe you build homes for a living, or you're a designer or, uh, of some sort, you know, or you're a waitress. I want you to imagine how your faith would deepen if, if you started every day, every interaction by saying, "Jesu Juva, Jesus help me, right? And then you made sure to say, you know what, to God alone the glory at the, the end of your day. What would it be like if you wrote SDG, you know, on the lumber of the house you're framing? SDG, to God be the glory. I'm building your house, but it's for God's glory. Or you wrote SDG on the back of receipts, you know, when you gave them. Or SDG at the bottom of your blog post. Whatever it is, just don't write SDG if you're a cop and you give someone a ticket, you know, like, no thanks. Uh, Beautiful example to me of how to integrate our faith with our gifts, our work, and our personality. Whether you're a a sensate, you're an intellectual, or you're contemplative, we all need Jesus' help. Amen? And when your mind engages and your spirit awakens, we are hardwired to give glory to God. That's what Soul Pathways is about. So I'm excited for you to discover yours. As I said, how many of you would say, you look at these six and you say, I have an idea of probably what's my primary. How many would say you know probably what your primary is? Okay, about half, maybe maybe a third here. How many of you are like, I have no idea at all, <laughs> okay? You look at these six pathways, you're not sure. Here's the cool part. We have created a free online tool for you to discover your soul pathway this afternoon. If you look at the bottom of the back of your bookmark, you see what it says? Want to discover your unique soul pathway? Visit liquidchurch.com slash soul and take your free online assessment. You can do this today. It is super simple and completely anonymous, okay? Basically, all we do is we're going to give you a series of statements like, you know, um, I feel closest to God when I'm, you know, see what he's made, the mountains, the forest, the ocean. And all you do is write one, like not very true, to five, like that's definitely me, very true. Super quick, I took this quiz this week. It, it took me like five, seven minutes to complete it. And it calculates the total, and you will get a custom soul pathways profile in order of your strongest to your weakest again Gary Thomas has nine different categories and it's, so it's even more precise than this but these are the six we're spotlighting I was kind of surprised for mine uh, my top three pathways number one was a sensate uh kind of explains all the screens you know at our church right uh some of you're like Tim's always up there he's always got visual aids and props okay that's because I'm kind of right brain that's my artistic I'm a visual learner for sure My second is the naturalist. It explains why I feel closest to God at the beach or when I'm out in the woods all alone. And the third one is interesting. It confirmed for me I'm an activist. Like, I never feel like I am more in the center of God's will. Like, I'm fulfilling my God-given purpose on this planet when we're mobilizing our church to care for the poor, to feed the hungry, to serve children and families with special needs. That's like, man, I am in my sweet spot. So my question is this. What are your top three? Do, Do you know your soul pathways. Again, go to liquidchurch.com/soul. When you get home this afternoon, take 10 minutes just complete the assessment and you'll learn something new about yourself. And then in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to reveal to you the results. So we're going to get a sense of like our our spiritual temperament as a congregation. I really believe guys and I'm excited about the possibility of this revolutionizing your quiet time with God this summer, your spiritual life, especially if you're stuck in a rut, okay? Which happens to every follower of Christ at some point. Here's the deal. When I was growing up, I was taught you have to begin every day with a QT, right, quiet time, right, a.k.a. devotions. And the idea was the first thing you did when you got up is you would take out your Bible for worship, for Bible study and prayer. It typically lasted like 20 or 30 minutes, and you'd read a passage of Scripture, you'd study it, you'd look up cross-references, uh, followed by prayer, and you typically had like this list of people. We had to write it down in a notebook, and we'd check it off as we pray for them. And quiet times can be a super helpful way to start your day, okay? It grounds you in the basic disciplines of the Christian life. But I remember in Sunday school class, the teacher would say, okay, how many times this week did you have your quiet time? And I quickly learned the answer is anything less than six is wrong, okay? They give you a pass on Sunday. But for me, somewhere along the way, that devotional routine, it became a little stale. It became a little boring. In other words, Anything you do repetitiously, if you're like a gym rat, you exercise or you run, you guys know this, if you jog the same path every day at the same time for the same amount, the same trail, it can unintentionally become lifeless and stale. The same thing happens with your soul, your spiritual life. The great theologian A.W. Tozer, he gave this warning to modern Christians. He said this, the whole transaction of religious conversion has been made mechanical and spiritless. We have almost forgotten that God is a person and as such can be cultivated as any person can. Basically, Tozer's saying, hey, the danger of routine religion is that it produces Christians who are spiritless, who are starving. Because if you eat the same thing over and over again, without trying all the other wonderful varieties of spiritual ways to feed yourself, you will eventually grow bored, and your soul will fail to grow. And your faith, this is the tragedy, what was once like alive and electric can become empty and routine spending time with god feels more like a duty than a delight can i ask that uh right now if if, would you be like well okay tomorrow monday morning i have to spend time with god or i get to spend time with god the enter these six soul pathways because for some people a traditional quiet time is too formulaic it's too cerebral the idea of like i'm going to get up i'm going to sit at a desk and be quiet and do what i'm not no way But when you look at these different soul pathways, your menu expands. Your whole world opens up. And it's liberating to realize your father, God, created you with a unique spiritual fingerprint to worship him. And it's not the same as the person sitting next to you. He's different than her. She's different than him. And that's okay. In fact, it's something actually to celebrate. As Thomas notes, he says, God wants to know the real you. Not a caricature of what somebody else wants you to be. He created you with a certain personality and a certain spiritual temperament. God wants your worship how? According to the way he made you. So that means, guys, your pathway may be different from the person who actually led you to Christ. It may be different than the person who invited you to church. Or it may be different than the person who leads your life group. My point is this. There's no one-size-fits-all approach to spirituality. And Church is Diverse is Liquid, we embrace all the different pathways that Christians have used over 2,000 years of connecting to the heart of Christ. In fact, the Bible's full of examples of people who show devotion to God in very different ways. In, in your life group this week, you're going to look at some of these examples. But if you look in the Old Testament, like Abraham, Abraham totally had a traditionalist bent. He's on the end here. Abraham built altars. He burned incense everywhere he went. Moses and Elijah were over here. They had an activistic streak, Right. They stood up against injustice. They defended the poor and the the powerless. Moses tells Pharaoh, you know, let God's people go. King David, David was a sensate. He wasn't just a shepherd. David was a musician. He played the harp and the lyre and he wrote poetry. Most of the Psalms that we read were set to music and written outdoors in the desert while he was tending sheep. Notice that is a sensate and a naturalist combined. See, that's the key here. All six pathways are different. But they have one thing in common. Jesus is the common thread. Every pathway is designed to draw you closer to Christ. And we know they can because Jesus is the only person who incarnated all six perfectly. Think about it. Jesus was an activist. What did he do? His ministry, he he Jesus fed the hungry. He cared for the poor. He healed the sick. But he was also a contemplative. After a time of ministry, he would withdraw from the crowds Go up on a mountain and spend time with his father in prayer. Jesus was a naturalist, right? Most of his parables, you know, are examples drawn from nature. Let me tell you about the seeds, the soils. When he taught, most of his illustrations came from the creation. He said to his fathers, look at the birds of the air. Consider the lilies of the field. Jesus was a naturalist. But he was also an intellectual. He was an expert in the law. He had memorized the Torah from an early age. And he was also a sensate. The night of his betrayal, Jesus and his disciples, what did they do? They drank wine, and they sang a hymn together. And, of course, Jesus then established the tradition that's at the center of our faith, communion, the oldest central symbol of the Christian faith over 2,000 years old, which he was celebrating the Passover, which is thousands of more years old. Listen, here's my question. If your Savior, Jesus, God's Son, used all these pathways— to connect his soul to the heart of the Father, do you think maybe we should give them a try? <laughs> so this week, you've got homework, and I want you to experiment. Take this bookmark home, and when you've got 10 minutes, just go to liquidchurch.com soul, take your free assessment, and then ask God to speak to you, because God is still speaking. Amen? The question is, are you listening? Can you hear him? He's saying to you at the start of the summer, hey, don't go on vacation. Draw close to me. Spend time with me. Come away with me. Let's go for a walk. Let me lead you beside still waters, and let me restore your soul. Amen? Over the next three weeks, guys, I really pray that your soul will experience new pathways going further up and further in in your journey to become like Jesus. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you that we were created in your image, and now the Holy Spirit is alive. Come, Holy Spirit. Just pour yourself into your people now for this week ahead. Father God, I pray that as we explore these pathways in the weeks to come, they wouldn't be an end in themselves. They would lead to Jesus and that we'd become more alive in Christ. Father God, no more dead Christians going through the routines, going through the motions. We reject that. Bring us alive, Father God. Teach us to speak in a new language, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father God, I pray for people who are here today and they're stuck in a rut, that they wouldn't heap guilt or condemnation, but they just hear your invitation. Come, come and drink. All who are thirsty, come and drink, and you will restore their soul. Father God, bless all our campuses uh, around New Jersey, all people listening around the world. Father, we are your church. We're your children. We love you as our Abba Father. In Jesus' name, to God alone be the glory. Everyone said together, amen.